There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed Welcome to the final episode of this season of With Gorley and Russ with your hosts, Matt Gorley. And Paul Rose. Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, we're back. Uh, how, was your, how was your 4th of July, man? Oh, it was nice. We took a bike ride to a pancake breakfast at the South Pasadena Firehouse <gasps> and then watched their parade. Uh, now th- those parades were in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like anybody could and was welcome to join the parade, regardless of costume, banner, or no. Do you feel like there were some people who just sort of wandered from the curb into the parade? Yes, that's fun. Yes, we, I imagine uh, anybody who has the little marching band uh, pole, the leader who leads oh, the marching baton? band, the baton, yeah, pole, <laughs> the baton. <laughs> like, if you just own a baton like that, you could just kind of come marching right into a parade. It's and, like that gets you in more places than a government ID, I would think. You know, yeah. no one's going to question anybody with a like a majorette hat and a bat- <laughs> like baton twirling skills. Yeah, that was one of the unreleased details about. Uh, Oklahoma City bombing is that Timothy McVeigh came in with as a marching band leader. Hey, a, a little bit of a macabre joke, but hey, that's the business we're in with this podcast, hey, macabre movies. Am I right? Next time I want to hijack a plane, I'm going to dress like a band leader in a major costume, drum major costume, and twirl a baton and walk straight through a metal detector, and it will go bing bing because my baton's metal, and they're still going to go. I love a parade. Well, similar to your space work of uh, uh, that you did with the air quotes, yeah. the the space work of that baton you just did was so good, dude. The oh, little thank you knuckle ripple. Thank See, you. I would have just kind of done the flick of the wrist to throw. I threw it up, but that is what batoning is. It's the it's the. How would you describe what well, you're doing right now? Kind like, of a wave have you ever of seen knuckles. A, ma- a magician do a quarter roll, which is something I yes. learned when I was younger, but I don't have quarters anymore, yeah. sadly. All those people who learn quarter rolls. I know. What do they use? Pogs? <laughs> Microchips? <laughs> Apple AirTags? <laughs> 
Did I tell you about this? Because I was in South Pass recently for another eclectic music festival, which was just like dad bands playing at tile shops and things like that. <laughs> That's not a fart, by the way, right? South Pass. <laughs> And Ooh, after we left, someone texted and said, you just missed David Lee Roth on a bicycle. Ugh, and that's a parade. I've been telling people that he was riding around on a banana seat bicycle with no shirt, just pressing the flesh, glad handing people like you would imagine David Lee Roth would. And I realized I completely made that up because I saw the same people at this parade. And I said, so what was the deal? He was riding around just saying hi to people. They're like, no, he was in full biker spandex and got very angry if you talked to him and didn't want anything to do with any people. Uh, okay. That like schism yeah. of like being like trying to get everybody's attention and like, don't look at me. You know who also does that? All the mascots in Disneyland. They're the- constantly on floats waving, oh, yeah. getting attention. And then they do, I mean, it's my favorite trick of the costume characters is the bashful. Oh, yeah. The two hands over uh-huh. the face and the shaking the head is yeah. just like the cutest thing on earth. But it's like, Donald Duck, get your shit together, dude. Like, You've you're, met you're waving before. to get attention and then you get bashful and then you do it again. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Sociopath. <laughs> Put on some pants. How was your fourth? And then we'll get to this movie, The Vanishing. Yes. Um, hey, much like fireworks they vanish quickly that's right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh my uh fourth was good yeah just uh chill time chill time yeah yeah it was good it was good grilling eating yummy food hanging out listening to fun music wow uh uh, my wife and daughter and i we had some friends over and you do some swimming did some same with us yeah Yeah, so uh, that was really um and uh my daughter had some uh friends over and get to uh, see kids all enjoying uh, 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 swimming together. It's just really something that brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. I uh, Also, you know, I went back to Iowa uh, at the end of the month uh, to see my family. My parents celebrated their 50th anniversary and then they had their... Uh, my mom's one of nine and she has two siblings who also celebrated their 50th anniversary around this last year and a half. So they had this all joint party, but yeah, getting to see a bunch of cousins on a farm, like running around together and stuff. That was more the 4th of July experience for me. It was uh-huh. like, uh, uh, but also the, um, sitting at like a fold out table, uh-huh. talking to my like grown up cousins uh-huh. is cool. Like it's funny when I was a kid and I was like seven or eight and I would look over at the adults at big family gatherings, sitting there for over like a half hour talking, you wonder, I'd be like, "What the hell what are they doing? could be going on there?" And uh, what a summit! Now I know. Yeah, I sit there now, right. and then I look, and uh, it's and pretty wild. Yeah, the same thing. About yeah, you. she's looking at me and being like, "You realize they have a kitty cat." upstairs in a room by itself and you can just go in and play with it and I'd go yeah okay let's go up and play but I see in her point of view it's like what could be more exciting than this kitty cat who keeps hiding under the bed there's a cabinet junior Donkey Kong in their garage yeah what was the big pull for you when you were a kid like if you went to a house party and it was like holy shit how can I even 
think about anything well, else. Well, a pool, nothing was bigger than a pool for me. Mm-hmm. But next to that, it would, yeah, it would have been like probably a cool console arcade because we had Atari 2600, mm-hmm. but then along came like ColecoVision and television and just by dint of those being different, I would have been very excited by those. Now, you would have been 14 or 15 around the time Nintendo was was kind of right. And I mentioned scene, this before, right? I was a Sega Master guy, Sega Master System, which came out at the same time. And purely Ooh. out of aesthetics, I thought the console was way cooler looking. Yeah. So I, I was big into that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I would play Nintendos at every friend of mine had Nintendo. So it was kind of best of both worlds. But it wasn't the thing for you. It's like if you went over to a house and it had Nintendo, that was like scratching in the back, itching in the back of your mind the whole time. Like we could be playing Nintendo. I'd I'd be thinking that for sure. Yeah. And depends on what games they had too. When I was back home, you know, I was driving past old neighbor's house and I drove by uh, this kid's house who I remember was the first in the neighborhood had a Nintendo. He was like five, six years older than me. So I couldn't even like, pretend that like I was going to go play with him. Right. Like he didn't want anything to do. But I remember I'd pushed This was my, uh, you know, the kid who said to you, wow, Matt, you really like masks. Yeah. I remember I came over to the Nackies house. Nackies. <laughs> and I knocked on the door and I was like, hey, could we? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the oldest brother went, no, you can't play my Nintendo. He like answered before I finished because the question. Because everybody was coming to the door. Because I was always coming to the door, you like were, amongst oh, other people. But he why was didn't used he to. Never once let you play it. No, he did a lot. Oh, like I was oh, I okay. pushing it. I see. <laughs> that was his nice way oh, of being yes. like, Paul, get out of here, you bothering me. <laughs> you really like. You really like masks, the video game. Oh my God, I wish. If there was, there had been a time just a little bit earlier, a little bit later, you could have had a a really cool mask Sega game. What about Sega CD? No, I never went. I never went to um, Genesis. I never went to CD. I stuck with the Master System because then, um. I'm trying to think. I guess I never got another one because then I think it was on to computers, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. So you were like a Wolfenstein dude? No. <laughs> I guess I just stopped playing video games. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, I was... Um, We had one sort of like how you have a microwave or something. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like if you came over to somebody's house and they didn't have like a microwave plugged in, you'd be like, uh, okay. That was my house. Really? Yeah. My mom, we never had a microwave. I had to buy our family's first answering machine myself as a kid. Is this why you're a tech head, man? I think so. You had a hunger for it in your house? I think so, yeah. So do you have like one of those phones that was like the horn with the <laughs> thing next no, to your ear? No, but did have one of those that was non-working and held a plant. <laughs> you would hang it up on the wall. <laughs> held a plant. I bought our first cordless phone. Yes. Yeah. My mom still doesn't have a microwave. Wow. Okay. For of all the appliance I could have effing picked right there, the fact that I chose a microwave with yeah. your history and your mom—that was a bad way to go, Rusty. No, man. That's why didn't I say blender? Why didn't I say VCR? <sighs> I we had those because I I was not about to not get a VCR. I was campaigning for that so hard, so early. Yeah. I mean, like anything. Once I got it, it was like okay. It wasn't. I played with it like mm. toys, but it was always about the 
fantasizing in pursuit of getting it. And then once I had it, I just kind of put the toy on the shelf. I was like, yep. Oh, yeah. Now I got it. Mm, I guess I gave mine their due. I really played with everything I got for the most part, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. I pulled out all of my old toys at our house, and I definitely... Got I shouldn't mask, say I put them on the shelf. I would it? like... I think I enjoyed dioramaing, <gasps> oh, yeah. but not like not clashing, not or, uh, not play. doing even voices. Really? Yeah, it would be oh. just kind of like um, oh, I'm afraid one perfect shot <laughs> version of. Oh, really? <laughs> like I would a tableau. Do- giant G.I. Joe battles well into high school to the point of one time I may have told this that a girl I liked came over and the door was open. My brother said, yeah, he's in his room going and I ha- I was down lying on my stomach like going yo, Joe. Hey, Matt. What are you doing here? I was just setting up my brother's toys for them to play with. And then you heard and you're like, what's that? And she's like, my ovaries. Get over here. You're so sexy, you. Get over here, you beautiful, hunky man. And that's why I have a 30-year-old daughter <laughs> that I've never mentioned until this very moment. Well, you know, uh, and this all leads to the vanishing. Oh, I get, swear. We've basically beat out the outline of this conversation and we know it's heading to the vanishing. Yeah, yes. Uh, By way of we haven't even gotten to the business yet and we have true. some business to talk about. Uh, that's true. Uh, but um, I, I feel like growing up there was kids who were good at sound effects. Mm. Kids who weren't good at sound effects. Yeah. I wasn't. I, w- I feel like the kids who were though were able to engage in the voice yeah. sound effect toy I thing. worked I spent so much time with sound effects like I different every different gun from like a re- revolver to like a 45 automatic and a machine gun a mortar multiple like <laughs> my mouth is agape That Harrier jet yeah. thing at the end was very cool, dude. Man, that I was just, the I punctuation mark on that. Spent time. I spent. I did my time. Yeah. That was awesome. That was Thank like um, America's funniest people level. Like if you had gone <laughs> to a shopping mall, you know how they would come yeah. and like people would Local do their different things. Search. You oh, you would have been gone. Well, you would have got to go to the show. The first ever uh, toilet flushing sound effect contest that's right i remember that fifteen hundred dollar prize and a lot of local news coverage i was a superstar now wait a minute you don't think that's what the company that had hosted it they were probably outraged that the news was covering their business they did it for the art and they when it started (laughs) getting exploited like that they got actually really mad at me they're like don't squander this why? Don't say our company's name on the news when you talk about the contest you want doing but sound effects do for a flush. But do come back and host it for the next four years. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I bet it was like diminishing returns each year for because certain. Well, because it's like when a band's first album is like 
a decade's worth of material that they wrote, and then their second album yeah. was like what we wrote in the last eighteen months. That first one was going to pull all the best people oh. who could do sound oh effects. Period. God, but sound it. effects about toilets flushing. It was me, very much so. Michael Winslow, the fast talking micro machines guy. When you were doing those sound effects, I kept going back and forth. I was like, "Do I say Michael? Do I say I got a Michael Winslow before me, or I got a Micro Machines guy before me?" So I said neither, but you did. I you had said both. Phone calls with the Tonight Show, Jay Leno and the Tonight Show, about coming on. This is how I met Robert Davi. Because Davi was on the sh- uh, no. dais that no, night. No, I didn't go on the Tonight Show because, on, and this is true, I felt like they're just going to make fun of me. Yeah, good. And I'm sure they were because when I went on this other daytime talk show, they made fun of me, particularly Robert Davi, and that's how that whole what story daytime started. talk show. I don't remember. It was on the universe. They're my enemies. Uh, yeah, I don't even. They're, they're gone to time. It wasn't even the a dustbin. Big thing. You mean? Yeah, the dustbin of time, the dial of destiny of time. Uh, is Jenny Jones or some shit? No, it wasn't like that. It was like a. It was took place in a like set of a house living room, and it was a man and a woman. Like human interest, kind of kind of like Good Morning L.A. Mike or, and Maddie. No, I mean this would have been in ninety six, I think. Okay, we'll get on it. I, I'm hoping it's Mike and Maddie. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Well, you had the foresight to know that you would be a a a, a, a punching bag for these. The set was in one of those Universal Street houses, the cul-de-sac. Oh. One of those was like a practical house that they shot in. That's cool. Yeah. So I got to drive by the Psycho Motel. Hey. I mean, relevant to our interests here. As we do a horror podcast. That's right. This is with Gorley and Rust. Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Now listen, mm -hmm. we got a little bit of fun business to tell you about. First of all, go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. You'll get mailbag episodes you'll get feature length commentaries we're next week we're recording the cozy mm-hmm. uh tournament mm-hmm. with our boys that yes. help out so so much on this show umar dustin and brantley yeah it's a real party yeah and so both paul and i are going out of town for a little mm-hmm. while separately although it'd be nice but then later do. together yeah. at the very end yeah we're gonna go do some work research we're going to go to the Overlook Hotel in Yosemite, Colorado. Woo! No, but coming up and starting in August, the second week of August, we will be back with a shining series. So we're going to be gone from the free feed of the podcast. But if you're a subscriber on the Patreon, you'll get a mailbag episode. You'll get the special episodes. We're dropping vid bits. We'll probably do mm-hmm. one of those today. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to pop up yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of content. There's stuff that's been paywalled, like the Halloween, the Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. the Nightmare on Elm Street episodes are all there. Hey, you just had the fun uh, last week of going, I'm thinking about making a Friday the 13th stunt show illustration, oh, a right. theme yeah. park stunt show illustration. And I saw uh, the trustees give some real doozies of ideas. That's right. And as a Friday the 13th fan, I was like, uh, key, 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 uh, ma, ma, ma. There were so many ideas, I didn't even know how to sort through them all. I couldn't thank the trustees enough. Yeah, I, I do a series of James Bond uh, artwork that is this, as if it takes place as a theme park stunt show. And I want to do one. Friday the 13th is the perfect, because it's got a lake, it's got old cabins, things like that. So I was just asking, yeah. what are your, like favorite one name one moment from each film and one secondary character so i could maybe mm-hmm. one day get to that because i had a day where amanda took glenn down to long beach but 
turns out when you have a kid, you're not as productive as you used. <laughs> so I watched Hanover Street. Oh, I'd never seen that. I've never seen it. So you get to see Harrison Ford uh, near prime. I mean, total prime. John Barry score. Whoa. Uh, Christopher Plummer. It's Whoa. part romance, part spy. It definitely feels like a kind of son of Casablanca. It feels like a movie out of that era. Ooh. I also watched Sunset Boulevard. I had a I had a nice day. That's be- uh, uh, what do you think of um, Hanover Street in terms of uh, would you watch it again? Yeah, I would. It's it's slow and it's not perfect, but again, when when a movie gets to be of that vintage, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm mm-hmm. looking for it's Coe's. Yeah. It's Max Coe's. Yeah. I highly yeah. recommend for Max Coe's. I was thinking just with, uh, in terms of Cozy, it's good that we're splitting uh, Ethan Hawke's cardigan in Sinister versus Jack Nicholson's cardigan in The Shining. That's going to have its own cozy recognition. It's good to keep those two apart because bought, they can't, they're too big for the same town. I just bought two cardigans shawl neck cardigans like those can you believe that whoa <laughs> like uh just color what uh, tell, light tell blue me. and navy blue yes yeah 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 light blue shout out pamela Voorhees. <laughs> navy blue shout out james bond quantum solace um i bought a, a blue robe um once because it looked like the blue robe that Jack Nicholson wears in um, The Shining. Also very similar to a robe that Bond wears. Really? Blue terry cloth, yeah. Do you think that's a U- a bloody UK thing, don't do you? Yeah, but there, it's not called terry cloth, it's called toweling. Seriously? Yeah, it's made of toweling. Was there too many people in, uh, named terry cloth? Yeah, not there? enough named toweling. <laughs> Father Towley Mysteries, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> All of these people are killed by Terry Cloth. Now, what are we kind of um, uh, kicking around here for the Shining Shindig? Well, this is another good reason to get on Patreon. A, you can subscribe at the top level, which is the Xenomorph, baby Xenomorph level, and we'll shout out your name. Just mm-hmm. tell us you subscribed, and we'll back check that. Yeah. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. We'll read some more of those names out at the end of this episode. But next season, we're officially going to start live streaming video from the episodes mm-hmm. that only Patreon subscribers mm-hmm. can see, and it will happen at the time we're recording. Ooh. So that's going to start with The Shining. So Paul and I sat down to come up with ideas for The Shining season. We're not saying any of these are set in stone, but there's a few we are pretty certain on. Mm-hmm. So do you want to take us through some of those? Yeah, well, the first episode, we would just talk about that movie, The Shining, because we've yeah. never devoted an episode to talking about it. We did a commentary, but that ain't the same thing right. as when we get to talk about... Whew, I mean, that movie, you can break it down so easily, just kind of in perfect segments to talk about. Oh, my. I can't. Uh, it, I mean, that's just scratching the gosh darn shining surface. And uh, our then, friend Andy Daly is going to join us for that yes, episode, as a matter of fact. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, hey, everybody knows in the world, Andy Daly is the best. Yes. So I'm uh, so excited to have Andrew in here. Yes. Um, and... Uh, after that, hey, we're going to start talking about this amazing Toshin book oh. about the making of The Shining oh. by J.W. Rinsler and Lee Unkrich. And uh, Matt and I have poured over it, and we're going to pour over it 
with you as we discuss the book. I would say those two are fairly certain. Absolutely. And, and that, that thing is chock full of tidbits. I mean, Matt, when I laid my eyes on the stills from the deleted scenes, I go bo bo bo. Bingo jabingo. There's a huge chunk in that movie, which I would say, you know, when people go, he gets crazy too fast. You don't know when he got crazy. Those those scenes are that that's it. So you go, that was a choice. Yeah. Not spoon feeding yeah. the seeing him go crazy. There's so but much that's to why talk you, about. Yeah. I mean, what isn't that why you think you keep going back to the shining? I think so. It's like I think, when does he go crazy? When did it start? Yeah. It's like answering Hamlet. that question Man, seems like it's it's yes. very, I'm I'm not even just No, joking. I know you're it not. It really is like Hamlet. Yeah. The thing is, with that book, it's so thick and so dense, we're going to start recording an episode, and if it just keeps going, we'll split it into two. So there might be just two episodes alone on that. Much like the pages of um, uh, All Work, No Play. Exactly, which is also included in this box. Yes, yes. I'm using it as a toilet paper. (laughs) That makes it sound... I meant it to sound like a silly thing, not like a. You don't. Care I use about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think that I think my that. history makes that pretty self-evident. I man. think you've got evidence preceding <laughs> this. Then we're pretty sure we're going to do an episode on Room Two Three Seven, the documentary about all the conspiracy theorists, and the documentary that uh, Vivian Kubrick made about The Shining that yeah. uh, is readily available. What we're then toying with. Mm-hmm. Not the toy no, being with. That's no. its own series. That Paul and I have already both seen Doctor Sleep, but we're not entirely sure if we want to cover it because we're also. Do we want to do a, a movie where we we aren't huge fans of it? Hey, we. T- I mean, this is the sort of off mic conversations yeah. that you get. Uh, that um, I wish y'all could hear because it's us going. Man, we'd probably just rag on Doctor Sleep. Do people really want to hear yeah, that? Yeah, is that worth doing an episode? Maybe. I mean, maybe people want to hear us, but I uh, save the gripe water for the babies. Right. I'm right? familiar with gripe water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be drinking my gripe water. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, gripe water is a baby gets it when they, they have tummy trouble. Same with butt paste. Oh, boy. Butt paste was a new... Thing I had to learn too. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Zugi's butt paste or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> then we're talking about maybe breaking up the mini series, the TV mini series, and just covering a little portion of that in each episode. Yeah, kind of um, piece by piece, much like a mini series. Uh, now, what is the runtime on that uh, mini series? Four hours and thirty-three minutes. That's why that's a big maybe. I uh, I think I watched that all in one weekend. I taped it over the week. I watched it then, when it was on, and then the like air. Friday into a Saturday, I watched it. And you watched it when it was on. Yeah. Were you? What were the wa- water cooler conversations like, Matt? I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. No one I knew was reading any of this. No one uh, I knew. I just watched it on my black and white TV in my room. That's fun. When I was, I think, in high school. What year was that? Um, that had to be late. Eight, early 90s? When uh, It's 97? What? Okay, something's weird because I'm remembering that at my mom's house, but... I was like... So wait, in, you would have just been done what? campaigning for Dole, right? Yeah. You spent yeah. the last year doing that. 
So that was zigzagging you across the country. Uh huh. Okay, I'm having a weird, like, amalgamation of my memory right now. Well, maybe you've always been the person who stayed at your mom's. You're, I wasn't the one staying at your mom's. You were staying at your mom's the entire I've time. Been staying at my mom's. So we'll see. That's that's a maybe. And the other maybe is we 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 don't think we're going to be able to read The Shining. Neither of us have read it, but we might have someone on who really knows it. Yeah. It can kind of take us through. So we're kicking around these ideas and I'll, we can figure yeah. them out. And uh, another possible guest we're, we're thinking about, you know. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and maybe, hey, uh, if people have uh, an idea of their own, we can kick yeah, it around. That's yeah, right. Write fun. it in the comments to this yeah. this episode about The Vanishing. Yes. And uh, holy cow, I don't know um, how, how far we've been recording, but I, I can't believe that I didn't say from the from the very beginning. As soon as you said, we're rolling, Rusty, uh-huh. uh, this might be one of the top three movies we've ever watched wow, for this podcast. Buddy. I'm you, just like, I'm so what, glad a, you liked what it. a fine yeah. movie. I mean, it's up there with, I, the reason I said top three. Okay. The only movies that I think were better that we've watched so far is like Jaws, Halloween, and, um, Jack Frost. Uh, Alien. Okay. Like, yeah. those are all movies that are pretty unassailable. And they're sort of similar in their speed. Like, they're, totally. they're kind of rhythm or yeah. flow or something. Same with The Vanishing. I mean, the vanishing, the vanishing fits vanishing. in with all of that. Yeah, yeah. And so it is... Um, that's exactly, like, why it kind of triggered something in me of just, like, the kind of um, clinical, mm. simple... Kind of um, removed, yeah. Objective, almost documentarian, yeah. And I, I, I know Jaws kind of has its own sort of like real life sweatiness that kind of gets in there, but it's still like a classically made kind of like suspense movie that does keep you at like a remove that it can be scary, but it can also be playful. Mm-hmm. I would say alien is the one that has like the le- least amount of like levity or kind of like even black dark humor yeah. wit sort of stuff. Um, and Hollywood Halloween just has so much like pleasures of suburbia and high school and stuff that like makes it a little bit yeah. warmer, mm-hmm. but um this is, yeah, uh, thank you for picking it. Oh, my, I had seen my it pleasure. once. It was like, I was reminded how much I loved it. Oh, you it. had seen it? Yes. Oh. Years ago, uh, probably I've like 10 years ago. It. Yeah. I know you've never seen yeah. it. So your take, uh, your, not take, your response. Oh, I is, loved it. Yeah. I loved it too. I, I, it's, I really feels, I know it does feel in league with those films, but at the same time, it feels very unique. I, I can't think of a lot of movies yeah. like this. If anything, it actually does kind of remind me of The Shining, which is interesting in Brantley's notes that mm-hmm. Kubrick became obsessed with this film, mm-hmm. watched it but multiple times, had long telephone conversations where he wanted the director to take him through it shot by shot. Yes. Awesome. Even the names, The Vanishing, The Shining, I think the mm-hmm. name Vanishing was chosen because it kind of had a... It's sort of, you know, reminiscent of The Shining, but mm-hmm. the way that it, 
yeah, just is done it such a remove and has strange bits of levity. Yeah, real funny, like dark comic humor. Even music yeah, yeah, that yeah. goes along with it at times with yes. the killer and and then the actress in it. She was supposed to be in War Time Lies, the yeah. Stanley Kubrick movie that was never produced, but she was supposed to be the star. So clearly, this yeah, it's I'll a funny little bridge we got here. Yeah, a, a little end thing with the the vanishing into the. Right. I know it's, yeah, it is a nice little bridge. I probably took the fewest notes I've taken for any film because I just was really, really watching. I think we can, we can talk about what this movie makes us feel, Matt. Uh, like how did you, I will say that first 20 minutes, it's kind of like in both of my experiences watching it, it's the most powerful. Mm. And that's not to say that the movie after it is lacking or lackluster. Yeah, because there's way more, much mystery, more in mystery involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever that moment when she does vanish and he's looking for her and everybody's throwing rules oh. while he's asking. It's like, don't stand there. You can't stand there. Yeah. Sir, you can't be here right now. You got to walk over here. And it's like, fuck you. This is like a terrifying experience. And there's just like these banal yeah. interactions you have to deal with. That's like so terrifying. Yeah. And then the, just the scenario, nobody ever wants to be in. Here's what's so scary about that scenario. You, if someone you love doesn't come back from a simple thing like that, you're going to tell yourself for a while, don't panic. It's obvious she she went to the restroom. She's talking to someone. She took a walk around the corner for some reason following a puppy. You're going to tell yourself a million reasons why you shouldn't panic. When at that moment is the, o the only way to stop that from happening is to act at that moment. But who would? Because you would be overreacting and crazy yeah, because right. 9,999 out of a million, you know, whatever, nothing's going to happen. Yes. And so you're just watching a guy. We already know the dread from this film. We know that this film is about. And, we're and they've watching already kind of teased a couple of moments yeah. where she might have, you know, the title, you know, she's right. going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're watching someone who knows in their gut something's wrong, but yes. convince themselves to just nah, take, play it cool. Yeah. And, and then you're, you're not getting the tragedy happen. Yes. Yeah. And you're not getting the relief of going away from him. You're stuck in his point of view the whole time. Yeah. Where you're just like itching to know like, God, they're not even leaving him a bit so I could just get the relief of it. Like I would know more than he does. Like it's, uh, yeah, really, uh, vexing. And, and what you were saying sort of about like when somebody goes away and you realize, oh, they couldn't really have gone away. Like I have nine, a yeah. hundred other times that this has happened and it wasn't proven true. I mean, I think the brilliant thing about this movie is whatever that they put it on this like existential level of like, what if your loved one vanished and was taken from you? But, and this is where I think Kubrick, you know, the only movie he made after the vanishing came out is eyes wide shut. Wow. And this is like eyes wide shut territory of yeah. the, like you never fully know if the person you're intimate with could go away. And that kind of idea of like, what can you possess? And then once it's going away, can you obsess about it in a, in a way to get back? But like, 
My favorite moment in the movie might be it's very early on when she the car breaks down and he leaves and she's calling she's like come back come back come on come on don't leave me yeah and he smiles and then later he says like that felt i felt the most your love for me when you were calling for me mm-hmm. like and i would put it maybe more on a dude thing it's like what rolling stones under my thumb is about it's like there's some pleasure or some it's the same thing to like land ownership or property or materials that I've got like the idea of I found a love who I know I can hold on to through marriage or through just intimacy but the idea that like that control just isn't always going to be there yeah so when the last thing I think the killer says to him is like, well, at least you didn't have the time to fall out of love with her. <sighs> and I could see it from his side of like, oh, he's this French guy and they're talking about, you know, maybe that guy would have fallen out of love with her. But for me, it, it, it was also the pain of when she died, you didn't have to go through this like, crisis of uh could somebody go away i mean like uh of course uh my wife and i we love each other we're loving i don't want this to seem i'm just speaking to like when you're it, it doesn't even have to be romantic it can be friend or family when you're in that mode of where did they go i do think that's like just a full-on like i could lose somebody at any point and the fact that i don't have control over that is the terror for me. And I think like, if I had to guess, that's like Stanley Kubrick's thing. It's like how, if I can't possess, then I have to obsess. And how do I like rectify the two? Oh yeah. Sorry, Matt. I got no, all excited about okay. the vanishing it's there. Exciting. It just, I, it shakes me up in those first 20 minutes. That's what rattles me is like, it resonates with me in the same way where I think, when he's leaving that tunnel, what I'm seeing in him is the validation of being needed. Yes. Where he just, they just had an argument. And I think we've all been in arguments with our loved ones. And you think like, what's the, what's the fine line between defending what you need and also not pushing your partner too far. And he, I think pushes her too far in this. And to find out she still needs him is a way for him to kind of go, thank God I haven't, you're right, because you know, he's going on this like macho kind of quest yeah. of like I'm going out and getting the gas and bringing it back, you know. So uh, I'm hunting and gathering, and I'll be back. And <laughs> but he does the abandoning. But the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's the he's in. If you're if what you're saying is kind of like feeling needed feels good. Yeah, that's like what it's like. Yeah, I'm going off to get the gas because I'm the guy who gets the gas, and I she needs me to like that whatever that pleasure is. Yeah. Uh, is like I mean if you look at whatever control is then you can flip it on the other side the guy who does the kidnapping yeah like he has his own systems of control and keeping control and like whatever is kind of going on inside him yes 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 that they're definitely playing because with that because the the Rex, the main guy, yes, is kind of a dick, uh-huh. and the killer is very friendly. 
Yeah, right, 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 right. You're, you're kind of at odds with that as you <laughs> That's watch funny. it. And another Shining or Kubrick feel, I know Shining, a big thing for him with The Shining was to make a horror movie that's not dark and mm, fully mm-hmm. lit, make it yeah. fully lit. And this very much. Oh yeah. That, and know? just how it feels, uh, banal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That, yeah. Just like something being evil, but well lit feeling like more sort of what the experience of life is. I mean, right. when you go to a gas station or a rest stop, you do go like, huh. I am intersecting with different walks of life, and one of these probably is a psycho, right? No, and if there isn't, it's you. You know, <laughs> well, the Not uh, you, you. no, no. I mean, I said psycho right now, but the it's funny that this is a first. This is a brick in the wall of the like benign, almost kind, uh, benevolent. The boy, the guy next door. That, yeah, that's like Norman Bates. Didn't know he had it in him. Yeah. yeah, in Psycho. And then, but Hannibal Lecter. And I would be surprised if little Mr. Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven, and David Fincher, uh, who directed Seven, hadn't seen The Vanishing. Because that whole thing of like... E- killer comes in before it's not the hero who catches the killer the killer comes in and yeah. announces i'm here and i have a victim it's your loved one and i'll let you know i'll give you an answer that you're looking for it's in a box but then also this kind of like mm. john doe being in a back seat or this guy in the front seat driving they're both kind of giving their like very detached view of how humans yeah. were, like they're sociopaths right. but then they're talking to like a mixed up complicated guy like who's uh, on the verge of going cuckoo like but that that it's all driving out into sunlit pastoral areas i was like oh that's seven yeah. too this and like the, yeah, yeah the countryside of france it couldn't be more beautiful and <laughs> one of the characters that they discussed near the end there is a uh, sweet milk Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, so I jumped in that first 20 minutes, but so was there any thought? Uh, I mean, just, yeah, I think I feel like we've covered my general thoughts. We yeah. can kind of go through the Oh, movie. yes, yes, you yes. You want to take a quick pee break? Sure. We'll yes, come back. the peeing. We'll be back. With and rest. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With Corley and Rust. And we're back. We didn't vanish. <laughs> no, we came back. Unlike, oh, you know her name. Saskia. Saskia. I yeah. love that name. Yes. Um, let's vow... We'll both change our names to okay. Saskia. Yeah, done. I've changed my name enough for this podcast. Yeah, so I'll you'll do, do it, it one a, more time. Um, now, Matt, that uh, remember the opening shot of this movie, the little wood stick bug? Yeah. Well, but, but logo loco before. Oh, logo that, loco. I'm the eye. Yes, I logo loco. I don't know what was going on that, but it was awesome. Yeah, uh, seems like some weird Freemason thing, if you ask me. It makes sense. But I've never seen that. And yeah, is this our first uh, Europe? No, we Foreign? watched uh, Suspiria. I was saying our first, uh, but that was dubbed. Yes, it was dubbed. So was this our first subtitle? Wait a minute, I don't think I watched it dubbed. Did I? No, Suspiria? it's. A- uh yeah, they they all dubbed it with um English people speaking. No, I'm wrong. Oh, I watched recently Wreck, and that was dubbed, and I did not want it to be dubbed, and you can't get it any other way. Yeah, but yeah, is this no Suspiria was dubbed where was, everybody had that like it was their mouths are moving, but and they're speaking. Huh. So the, the, these have been no, the only, maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe I, I, I got a witch's trick uh, straight from Suspiria put on me. Either way, are those the only foreign films we've watched? Yeah, but I wonder if that's like what kind of um, gives us a little different. Like you're like I've never seen something like that before, and yeah. I agree. I think this movie wasn't made in a was made in America, which you know I guess it was remade. Not by long the same after, right? Ninety one, yeah. and has uh, a happy ending, I believe. Oh boy, yikes! Jeff Bridges, Sandra Bullock, and Kiefer Keith. Sutherland. Yeah, who I'm assuming plays the bad guy, or just Jeff Bridges? I think Jeff Bridges. I think really? is the bad. Well, Ooh, who, yeah. Now I'm color me curious. I'll color you. <laughs> Let me look it up. I'll color um, you all the way to IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so whatever gave it kind of that feel, I think has to be the fact that we're not watching some Hollywood studio movie, you know? Yeah. So my point is, God love that eye and the studio logo. That's my thought on this logo, Loco. I'm glad I didn't see a 20th Century Fox, because if I did, it wouldn't have been this. 93... Directed by the same guy. Yeah. Written by the same guy-ish, kind of. Um, It's hard to tell. The thing I most thought, if this was made by Hollywood, or if I watched the the 93 version, um, I was like, I bet it's different in the American one. Yeah. Is um, when he puts the uh, cloth on her face... And you watch in real time. Sometimes his arm gets in the way. You don't always get a full. Mm. It's just kind of this like com- detached look at her slowly struggle, then die, and her yeah. eyes roll back. I was like, I would bet dollars to donuts that in the American version, it ain't 
edited that way. It's probably like, oh, sure. like and she doesn't die there. Music telling you what to do. Yeah, she doesn't die there. You know, she just right. She just out. passed yeah. the sorry, sorry, sorry. You're right. Yeah. Jeff Bridges is definitely the bad guy. Nancy Travis is is the main girl, but Sandra Bullock is in it. Is Randy Travis in it? Um, let me see. Because no. he's my favorite country western singer. Just so I've been Dwight Yoakam, George Jones, Elvis Presley. <laughs> They're so close. Oh, man. Huh. <laughs> you think a cast with George? <laughs> All three Hank Williamses? <laughs> How did I dig his really little, they, uh, He turns over at the end in the coffin and there's just the the bones of Hank Williams the first. <laughs> I, I wonder what the happy ending is. Like, I, I, I'm... I, well, definitely because the I love guy the, survives, but do you think he also finds the girl alive? If I had to guess... You know, and I'm going to watch it. I think I might too. Yeah, because the fact that the same filmmaker did it, then it would just almost be interesting to watch it as like an experiment of like, how does somebody do like the funny games? Also, this had Michael Haneke vibes to me. Like when I was watching this kind of like, I mean, this is, I know I said it's a metaphor for about love and loss, Matt, but don't you think it's a straight up, uh, it's a story of uh, Nazism, wouldn't you say? Uh, I didn't think of how so like more than dial of destiny. I, I think it is like some world war two allegory of some kind, which is like the bad guy's Nazism, right? He has this sort of like cool detached. I can, I can take evil and run it through the funnel of bureaucracy or science technology and perfect it. And that's truly kind of what's terrifying Mm. about an evil like that as if somebody was methodical, like you said, had a methodical mind about how they were going to be evil. And you, the, the time that I thought about it was, was I was thinking, why did they have an American guy be the one who goes over and notices the trailer thing? And he remember he goes over and he's like, "Yeah, you need help with this trailer? Oh, like this? Uh-huh. And he picks it up and drops it. He's like, what were you doing with my what? what? Yeah. And then he's like, I was having trouble. And he's like, I think you were having trouble up in your head. <laughs> and banged up. Then he walked away and I was like, if he thought this guy was fishy, but was truly engaged... He would go over to a cop and he'd be like, this guy's fucking weird. Instead, it was like, America goes over there. You fucking weirdo. (laughs) Bang, bang, bang. Don't mess with my wife. Now, it's like, we came in there. We said you're weird. But it's a little bit of what America does. You kind of go in there. You punch the guy. You don't. England was the wife in this scenario. Yes, 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 yes. You tried to Dunkirk my baby. But. Yeah, uh, so that was just a moment that I go, oh, mm. why was that? And then building out from that, it did yeah. feel like the sort of, even if it's just about whatever, evil being banal, yeah. that... Fe- that like, is very Nazi, yeah. The, it's just the banality look and, of yeah, yeah, being yeah. evil. And, and conversations oh. about like the Tour de France and like how people, like, um, I was thinking the opening... 
Well, we didn't even talk about that little wood bug. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about that wood bug. Yeah. And how it ends on a wood bug. Yeah. And I, when the... A cricket. Yeah, when the grass popped up at the end, it got me thinking about that beginning. And uh, uh, not to be like, whatever, but that little wood bug seems kind of like what that guy is, right? He's like... He hiding in plain, plain sight. Hiding in plain sight, yeah. He's like this little bug right. that's figured out perfectly how to like pretend to be normal to kind of like predatize around life. Like when she got into the car at the end because she saw the picture of him with his wife and daughters and that was the thing that made her go, oh, okay. It like clicked for me of like, oh, that's why they've been showing all this family stuff and it's been so creepy. It's just like, that's part of the psychopath's process. Yeah. Uh, but um, also just him being like a little insect bug that just kind of looks at things clinically of like, I could kill that if I and wanted to. And then also reading in Brantley's notes that this guy was a massive method actor and really an asshole on set was really brutal to the actress that played Saskia to the point where the director had to talk to him and say, don't do that. <laughs> this fucker. I mean, like we've talked about method actors. Uh, you ever done that for a nice guy? You ever method? Uh, hey, dude. Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. You ever right. method act as a nice guy? Yeah. yeah. As a milk toast? Uh, yeah. Gas station attendant? Doubt it. <laughs> I know. Like, where's your? Um, I don't know. Like, Tom Hanks playing Mister Rogers. That's right. Going around teaching yeah. people things. Uh, so I didn't know that's. I didn't see that in the notes. Oh yeah, my and god. He was an background actor that the director had used like nine years earlier and remember he did this remarkable move with tossing a cigarette and he since then had become a known actor but he he brought him in for that reason that he remembered him whoa yeah yeah uh i mean he looks he reminded me of um francis from peewee's big adventure he yes face he also reminded me as the chef from sleepaway camp Oh, yeah, yeah. He gets all that hot water boiled on him. <laughs> Where I come from, they call them bodies. Uh, Artie, the chef, you're gross. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, because the little, when I mentioned the Tour de France thing, the opening where you hear the radio broadcast, and it's nice, they subtitle it, but how it has kind of this ironic commentary to what's going on. It's like, oh, he's up. No, yeah. he's up. It reminded me of like... Um, <laughs> the little baseball section in uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light where he's like oh he's up he's gonna go for a home run he's sliding to first base he's out no 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 he's in <laughs> you know the st stupid Cohen naked style yeah. <laughs> part of that I would think maybe if the filmmaker heard uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light and heard that part he'd be like maybe it's not maybe, so clever yeah, to do it for because yeah. what got me thinking about it was like I was hearing it in French and I was like, or, or whatever the language was that was being subtitled at that moment, the yeah, announcer. The broadcast was French. I think. Yeah. The broadcast, uh, like I was like, I kind of like that. It's not, I can pretend to ignore it if I want to. Cause don't you think sitting in an American like audience and if you heard like, <laughs> you know, like, Ken Griffey Jr. up to the plate. I think he's going to hit a home run. No, he didn't. Yeah. But will the team, opposing team win? I'd go, oh, this might hit on the nose a little too hard. Also, it's weird with subtitles because there's no 
measure for which is really more important dialogue or background there actually i've noticed when i'm watching subtitles now that subtitles are almost too subtitled where every little sound effect Mm -hmm. and i get it for you know people that can't hear so that's good but i wish they'd kind of do a version for people that have babies and need to keep the sound down a little bit yeah i mean i've always um it's tough uh talking about subtitled versus dubbed because if you try to argue for why you don't care for subtitles how can you just not sound like an illiterate idiot who's like i don't like to read but what it is is baby movies are a visual medium so it's like the fact that my eye is dividing like 25 percent of the time to not register sound color and movement all at the same time, which is really, you know, when you go to the movies. Forget also if you're eating from a plate at home, you got to look down. I know. You, yeah, it's Believe me. Sushi and subtitled movies are not a good mix. I mean, another reason why popcorn is just like the perfect movie yeah. theater snack. Travels light and uh, it doesn't make noise. Right. And you can just put your hand in the thing and put your mouth and you don't have to worry about That's like, true. Oh, am I getting a weird quarter of a, a chip? <laughs> I know. Is this shelled peanut going to be shelled? Uh, yeah, but the... Um, uh, so with the act, when you mentioned the actor who played the baddie, um, I think also why this movie is so effective is I don't know if the first 25 minutes of a movie could make you love a lady I know. more I know. like, and I know it's the trick of a suspense movie. It's just like you feel the dread, the more you're like falling for her. Cause you're like, I know they're making me fall for her. So they She's rip so it away. Charming, but they do it so successfully, not just because the guy's kind of a dick, but they also, their relationship feels real and then they make up and yes. Uh, yeah. It, She's so not over the top, but just like winning. She's just very winning. Winning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I defy any couple or any person who's been in a romantic relationship not being sucked into those first 15, 20 minutes because they are so identifiable. Her acting is so natural. The photography is like beautiful. I mean, like everybody just is like so, just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Like you're just falling for both of them, but also just being like, oh, whatever that thing that exists between two people that like, Little fight, the getting over it, and then falling for each other more because you got over the fight is just like the most sweetest things in life. And you get it in a movie, and you get it with her. It's just like it's 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 kind of a great time release of sympathy too, because you really sympathize with her. And then as the movie goes on and she's vanished, you really do start to sympathize with him. Yeah, and you even sympathize with his next girlfriend, who's obviously dealing with someone that is vanished yes yeah 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 i mean the you uh do you know that band um uh quasi no um they got this song called the poison well that i think they say was about written about uh elliot smith before he died they wrote this song that was kind of like a but um the opening line is a doozy it's a um uh you only hurt the ones you love that might that may be true, but better said, you only hurt the ones who love you. And like whatever that thing is of like um 
if you'd have a fear about somebody um, not loving you, you you wouldn't a fight or an argument would feel more hostile or 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 or, or I wouldn't feel safe enough to have the argument. Yeah. Like, because I wouldn't want to, quote unquote, hurt the one I love. But when somebody loves you and you know that love is there, I'm not speaking just me. I'm saying everybody. That's the thing that I think people fuck with a little bit more yeah. because you're kind of like, I know that person's there. They need me. We're in love. And it's set. That's kind of like what opens up the space to. So when you see a couple like, argue and get over it and be closer together after it it's sort of like yeah that's the way it should be it's, it's a hell of a setup for for what this movie becomes because it's so effective to yes. just watch a couple that does seem to really love each other but in such a realistic way that we've all experienced yeah not in a typical way that's one reason I'm really curious to see the remake to see yeah the setup of Kiefer Sutherland and Nancy Travis Two fine actors, I guess, but I can't imagine you're getting anywhere near the like. Yeah, and they're both strawberry. Come on, give me a dark-haired one right. and a strawberry. I know like, this guy I, was actually pretty bewitching as he kind of it goes three years later and he's his hair's grown out a little bit. <laughs> it just looks like oh well, and that's what I meant then when the woman who's there. That's what I was getting to with the quasi quote. Oh, yeah. By the way, it was just like, oh, oh yeah. Once she has her, and he's like treating her like shit because it's like he knows she's invested, yeah. and she's like, can we not have a dodge a toi where you're talking about this gal? Right. Yeah. Uh, but that um, when you said yeah with that opening, how could you not? Um, both times I watched it, and look, I love the movie, and but I think the reason why that first twenty five minutes works better for me than the is like it does kind of let me off the hook a little bit. Like, because once I know the killer is sort of this like slightly Hannibal Lecter kind of like movie character. I mean, I, yeah, I know I that had no idea we were going to know this guy throughout the movie. I just, I'd forgotten. So when it, it started up, I was like, Oh, right. This is fucking awesome. I mean, believe me, I like love that, that yeah. it like then goes into him. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's just like, I can take relief that it's now, a movie, if that makes sense. Like the first 20 minutes is so like up close reality yeah. that like, then it kind of just becomes not in a bad way. It just becomes this sort of playful. And then once he goes on TV talking about her, then I'm like, Oh, this is kind of a one in not a million, but maybe one in 500,000 experience somebody's having now, which is like, they go on the news and the killer watches the thing and now he wants to toy with him. Like, I love all that, but I do think that's like why I get less, it feels less intense for me because I can kind of be like, oh no, it's just a fun pot boiler, yeah, you know? Right, right. Yeah, um, I get that. But because, yeah, when does it, so it worked for me. It surprised me. It surprised you, right? The This like, oh, we're following the killer now. Yeah. And then when you go into his basically murder mission prep, a whole sequence that, like we said earlier, is set to kind of a lighthearted 
music and he's kind of doing some antics and like, Oh no, 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 that's silly. I can't yeah. do it that way. It's, it's Oh, really, right. When he's like saying eat shit. Yeah. Like he can't get the, yeah. he's, the he, translation right or yeah. the pronunciation. And just his fumbling about trying to use the chloroform. It's not over the top. You don't, you know, yeah. it doesn't take you out, but it's a definite shift in tone that is so masterful. Cause yeah. I don't know how you, it just goes just enough in that way to yes. kind of like throw you for a loop. And then through flashbacks, you learn his sociopathic journey of telling him that fate would never let him jump off a balcony. So why not test fate? And then he saves a kid. And if you're a hero, you can only be a hero if you actually don't do the bad thing, which is such twisted thought. Yeah. So he's going to see if he can do the bad thing. Right, as an answer to having done the good thing. Yeah. It was like, like it's like because was he a hero, a true hero, or is he just capable of both? And you're not. That's why hero? that guy came over to him and he was like, uh, "I'm. I need things aren't good uh, here." He's like, "Yeah, things aren't good up here." Yeah. <laughs> this pretty much nails it on the head. This guy thinks he has to. Uh, yeah. The. Um, oh, and the fact that he practices how to chloroform her and then practices on his daughter without her knowing. Yeah. The, whatever the little hits, yeah, he's doing it on himself and doing the timing. How did it feel for you as a lover of mission prep? I'll take mission prep in any form. <laughs> and this is a rare form. I don't know that I've quite, have we, I guess we've maybe, well, we took, we're gl- saying a nightmare on O Street opens with Freddie mission That's prepping true, yeah. his glove. That's true. And you get a little <laughs> Hannibal Lecter right after he kills that guard in the prison cell. And he's kind of, well, he's doing more conducting, but doesn't he yes. get some tool? Maybe not. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we'll find out when we do our Hannibal Lecter. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The When he was... Um, I'm so sorry that. Well, I'm... you also get to see his trial and error of yeah. You go through his whole system and you see two failures. Yeah, and then one that like works too good, like works too well. He's trans. He's figured out the pronunciation and he's like, "Do you speak French?" She's like, "Yes, I do. I speak French." You know, and then yeah. and then she's like offering to get into his car. Yeah, that also felt like um, uh, kind of like just if this thing is kind of like a dark twisted look at like love and romance and when people stay together, when they leave or don't like this did feel like a funny, like a guy has to figure out what courtship is. And then when you get surprised that it's working yeah. or it worked in a different way is that him be like the bubbly guy is like, Oh shit. Oh, uh, I gotta go to the bathroom and wet my hair. <laughs> it's like a montage of a speed dating scene in a romantic yes, comedy. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's what's uh, so crazy. Cause you are kind of like not laughing, but yeah. kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm curious. Totally. To I mean, the curi- when you, you took the word right out of my mouth, I said curious because I think it, you could go, you know, at the end when he's saying like, but aren't you curious what the ending is? You could easily go like, okay, yeah, that's me, the audience. Uh, he's curious about wanting the answer no matter what I'm like that. But I thought that it, that was the case with, um, the, uh, when we started watching him and I was engaged with, is he going to succeed or not? I was like, that's the curious thing that's yeah, you, really we going don't on. Know what's happened to her. And I'm engaged because I do think this guy's interesting and I am curious yeah. what he's doing. And I was like, Oh, that 
it's almost like in Psycho when he's get, trying to get the car in the swamp and then it sticks. And you're like, oh my God, he's not going to get away with it. You're like, I want I know. Norman Bates to get away with it. That's yeah. like the fun of watching those uh, th- sequences of like, oh, I'm carried that this guy might blow it. Yeah. And then at the end, when they start doubling back into it and uh, um, you... You think it's going to be the moment that he does abduct her and this other stuff happens. And as an audience member, you feel like robbed because you're like, no, I knew it was going to happen. Why are you doing this? Like the fact that it could still surprise me was like yeah. wild. What is it? Did, he says he's missing fingers, right? But he's not. Yeah, I... I thought that was, I was curious about that too. And I thought, Oh, it's a lie. He's like telling the guy, but But the the guy could look and go, you're telling a lie, right? It was, yeah, that was just strange. I noticed a lie that maybe the guy used translation or something. Oh, cause I noticed a lie that Rex used when he said, uh, my wife disappeared or something like that. Uh, Yeah. Like he did that. I think in the moment, cause it was kind of like, well, she's practically my wife, and I love her like a man loves his wife. And is this if this is going to get you to care more about us? This is how I talk about David Lee Ross shirtless and on a '70s banana seat bike. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? I don't know if it'd be a better movie, but it would be a different movie if David Lee Roth was the one who was abducted. Don't you think? Or the abductor. <laughs> yeah. Also, the um, kind of gut punch of like. Oh, he um, is is like the gut punch that happens in these real abduction things where people. I mean, it's funny. Maybe I, it was because I knew I was going to watch The Vanishing. Um, oh no, no, no! I've just been reading like the list on Wikipedia of disappearances, and they're like real. They're rare, like true. Like this person, no evidence of where they went is rare. Really? And so we were just talking about. Oh, the thing that would be horrifying is like somebody you love is taken from you and then you don't even know if they're alive or not because for me, the horror is thinking they're alive in a basement and being tortured and their life is misery and they could still be saved. Um, And then lo and behold, we started watching uh, the vanishing. I was like, Oh, that's what this whole thing like hinges on. Um, Would you do it, Matt? Would I take the coffee? Yeah. That's the thing that I think is amazing about this movie is that scene is just timed right and played right because, I don't know, four-fifths through that scene, I'm like, why would you ever Mm -hmm. drink the coffee? This is insane. And by the time he drinks the coffee, I buy it because he's he's tortured and he's got to know and he, they do that so well because I think if he drank it right away, you'd be no. But even the uh-huh. way that the dynamics and the mind games play out in that scene. Yeah. And then the the fact that it's not a twist and that's the twist. is that, Yeah. No, it's just what you thought it would be and just why you shouldn't, why every instinct is telling you you shouldn't drink the coffee is right. Don't drink the coffee. Right, which is sort of like whatever that initial tickle was in the guy's stomach of like, don't jump. 
off the thing and hurt yourself or your body tells you don't yeah. kill other yeah, people. Exactly. Like Playing he's having an initial human impulse of like, don't drink that coffee. It's going to be bad for you. And same like he, sh- if he should have ever done it, it should have been the minute she was gone. He should have freaked out right away. But yes, fate is telling you, yeah, you know, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But that, yeah, I was really not surprised to look for it. because yes. at that ending the whole time, I'm just like, Oh, he better not drink that. I'm not going to buy it. That would just be too convenient, too dumb. And then by the time he does, I was like, yep, that makes sense for his character. (laughs) Yeah, not right. Uh, I I wonder if when that was happening, their little conversation, it felt a bit like a kind of a a chess game or something. Like how does somebody slowly one-up somebody? was like, I mean... uh, I think that's probably when I like uh, a movie most is when they somehow manage in a scene or in a sequence to convince me of something that I thought if they did, they couldn't pull off. Right. And when you see somebody like, you're like, Oh, Whoa, I got pulled off. Yeah. It's like, I wonder how it came about because this was based on a novel and then the director let the novelist write the screenplay, but then he wasn't happy with the way it was going. So he got involved in, got involved and eventually fired the novelist. So. Which is also a Kubricky thing. Like yeah. he co-wrote 2001 with Arthur C. Clarke and then uh, Clockwork Orange, he changed the ending of Anthony Burgess's novel. Yeah. Uh, um, the, yeah, that's, um, the golden egg is the title of the book, right? Yeah. Cause that was sort of the operating metaphor Metaphor of like a casket or something yeah and the ending and the light in the tunnel there's a very few allusions to it the ending shot of the light oh yeah and the hope right right the hope that he gets of the moment when he thought she had gone that first time and then he found her yeah is like oh the bliss you can kind of live in if you want to and then almost a promise of them seeing each other again yeah after yeah, because it does seem like that guy is, when he says he does decide to drink it, it's like he's content with the idea that he could die, but then he gets to join her in the afterlife. It's more that he's kind of like, oh, it sucks how I had to die. <laughs> right? Like, What a way to go. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm curious then what the American one is. Is like a guy yells loud enough and then groundskeeper Willie goes by and, like, digs him up? Or the the uh, grave digger in Hamlet. Oh, yeah. I mean, if this is just a... Uh, oh, but then um, the just that other section, kind of, of when you go and you delve into his life. Um, the... I like if if um, there's kind of all different versions of like relationships in this. Yeah. So at the same time that you're seeing like Rex have this new girl who doesn't quite can't get to him and he's not interested in her. You have like the killer and his wife are just completely. They, there's no intimacy there's like no love there but he has these three daughters who all look like the victim (laughs) like these like strawberry blonde or red-haired girls uh but like the um i don't know if 
you know, I was comparing it to kind of like Hannibal Lecter, John Doe thing, but they don't go that way. They don't show Hannibal Lecter tricking a, a suburban family, really. He's not like, I mean, yeah. that is a scary notion that it hasn't really... John Doe is like a, in Seven, is a complete loony, even though right. he speaks yeah. eloquently. They don't go the further thing of like... Has that ever really been done it must i mean american psycho which would be fun to watch sometime but oh, like right. is like that but he's kind of dumb or, or shallow like you y- you think with hannibal lecter that there is depth there and intellect and he does yeah. reflect on stuff and so does this guy for sure yeah um but like i don't know if i get that it's an entirely different movie but yeah, the true horrific thing of having somebody taken from you is that it's like uh, this sadistic creep who keeps somebody alive for 50 years, right? Like, oh, yeah, But this guy is just so scary because there's no reasoning with him, even though he's proposing everything as just pure logic. Right. And he's got a system, so you would think, well, we can certainly talk our way out of this, but... But no, because he's he is a true sociopath in that he's divorced from any empathy. Which is the Nazism thing, maybe. Yeah. It's like how does somebody slowly, methodically convince you to go against your initial impulse and be seduced into this <laughs> crazy turn of uh, a series of events? Oh man, yeah. Um, I'm trying to look at other. I think that's. Um, oh, the. Uh, a very extended cozy opening as, yeah. as scary as it is. That's, yeah. um, I mean, a road trip with your, you know, young love. Uh, so scenic. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never been on a non, not in my country, a foreign land romantic escapade. Oh, I, I guess I have. Where to? Uh, Ireland with Amanda. Oh, that's romantic, I bet. It was, and that's when we went up to see my the old Gorley family farm and, you know, saw the ruins there and yeah. had to rent a, a manual transmission uh, right side driver. So that was a trip. I had I'd driven before right side, mm-hmm. but never having to shift with my left hand. Whoa! It was it was really. That's like what got uh, Matthew game. Broderick. I'm not, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like he was on the wrong side of the road with yeah. Jennifer Grey. Right. Um, yeah. The. I guess I um, took my wife to my homeland of Iowa last week. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, in a. Um, it is. It was nice, though. You know, in the in the um, in the category of oh, when you care so- about somebody and you fall in love with them more. Uh, when my wife meets my extended family members, and uh, they confide in her, and she talks to me about oh. not even she doesn't sell them out. Yeah, like. It makes me love my wife so mo- so much because I know she gives off a light of people yeah. being like, "Oh, I can 
be honest and candid with this person, no yeah. judgment. That's what I one of the many things I love about my wife. But when you get to experience that in another way, yeah. like through your aunt's friend, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like really funny. It's like, oh, wow, and that's the cool. Avon lady. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, then they start doing the kind of like cat and mouse thing, I guess is yeah. like, then this guy shows some, up at the cafe, some, a little bit of hallucinatory stuff too, where yeah. he chases a car. That's not there. The computer screen thing was, a yeah, that was I, a little unclear. That was, uh, I didn't really know what was going on with that yeah. computer screen. Yeah. It wasn't as good as like, if he was trying to do it, like if it was something like romantic, like nothing beats the romance of the, two computer characters in Revenge of the Nerds. Remember when Anthony Edwards like goes like click 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 and has like two nerds hold hands. No, I to, don't. To impress a girl. Oh wow, yeah, they sh- they should have <laughs> They should have done that. Just stole it flat out. <laughs> <laughs> just the same shot, stole the shot. <laughs> but yeah, I guess he was hallucinating and that you know whatever that stuff kind of was, uh, the whole thing feels like oh, it couldn't exist without a uh, Hitchcock movies, but like that strangers on a train thing of kind of like two people can kind of be psychologically fucking with each other and stuff. I thought was like, um, that whole scene, it like felt like such a Hitchcock thing of like, or even, um, reminded me of Dr. No, uh, or Goldfinger when it's like, wait a minute, Goldfinger's sitting out by the pool. Is that, am I misremembering that? Yeah, that's in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But like the same kind of thing of like, uh, when he's sitting in the cafe, it's like, yeah. oh, that guy, my, he was just right over there. Yeah. Yeah. I like when he first approaches him and then Rex basically beats him up and you can tell the killer's just like, I just have to get through this because of course he's going to do this. <laughs> and then he's, he has no violence in him that's the weird thing i mean obviously he's a killer he has violence but yeah but even they, his method is knocking someone out with chloroform and then burying them alive he's not a brutal killer he doesn't fight back he's in it yeah for this experiment what do you think happens after this so you see it ends with the newspaper you know two mysterious the linked deaths of two or two people that have vanished mm-hmm. So the, there's, <laughs> I drank out of a cup, but I could have gotten. <laughs> there's no evidence, you know, according to the killer. So there would be no trail to follow. Does this killer continue on to do more? Ooh, I mean, why, why? That's a good. He's question. already proven that he's not a hero by killing the girl. We never really find out why he wants to kill the guy, other than he's just as obsessed about him as Rex is about Saskia. Yeah, he took some interest in that this guy would be obsessed. You know, if that's like the classic, like, you and I are not so different, you know. Yeah. But I don't... It's like he no, wants yeah. to be close to him because this is the only guy that will really appreciate yeah. the truth. But the question then of like... I like that question because it's sort of like, did he really do this as a social experiment? And we have to take him at his face value because if that's the case, then he'll never kill again. Cause he just did this social experiment of like, okay, I could do the thing. And if there were any dangling threads, 
I could take care of that too. And then, I don't think he killed him for a dangling no. thread because he was toying with him. So he, yeah. So I do. He is. It, it's more on. that he's a yeah. sadist, and in a few years he'll yeah have that it's hunger like the again. Golden State Killer, basically, who kind of himself was a family. Yeah, family. I mean, I'm sure when those daughters are out of the house, he'll be killing more. When he's a uh, yeah. but the, the Golden State Killer. It was by the time his kids got older, he was also just too old. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? It was when he went to the too other... Too old to cat around. Yeah. The other little town, and that woman recognized him and like called him out for looking for a mistress, basically. Raymond. Oh, his and daughter. And he was kind of like shamed and guilty, and he yeah. left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, that seemed like whatever this means that in this movie, that like... Uh, in terms of like, oh, uh, a breakup or a, a to lose somebody could be literally getting vanished. Like yeah. a daughter interpreting her dad like scoping out chicks is yeah. like, oh, are you, do you have a mistress? Because yeah. <laughs> they're basically the same thing. Uh, what what that look you have in your eye? Yeah. Um, and I the the little um. I like your notion of what you're saying, sort of like, oh, and they, they go out of their way to make him in every way possible sympathetic and kind because, like, when she gave him that key ring and she was like, because you drive so much and every time you drive, you're actually with us because you have this key ring. to remind. Like, I thought, that is the most thoughtful gift. Yeah. If you got that from your daughter for that reason, you would be like, this this gift is but like in that moment I was like this is the sweetest <laughs> I, know. I know talk about sweet milk it's yeah the whole thing's a, a slow moving roller coaster if and then they sense. had that poof thing yeah uh, I didn't know from Billy from Billy Elliot I found out that poof was yeah uh, a, a homosexual yeah yeah and then I know it from Monty Python ooh Are you, should we. Monty Python, done. Cancel them. Yep. Yep. Sorry, Michael Palin. We know you're our favorite, I but know. sweet guy. <laughs> we, uh, whether it be him or uh, Kevin from Kids in the Hall. Oh yeah, we identify with the uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> the beta. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is... Uh, I, do you have more notes? No. This is a tough one for best kill. Uh, I guess it's... I. You know what? I'll split mine between Saskia and Rex. Yeah, I'll split those two. Or you take one, I'll take uh, one. I'll, I'll take... Um, Rex. And I'll take Saskia. The... Um, oh, they did do that funny joke when they... Like airplane style... Remember after he did the prolonged flashback explaining to the guy in the car like how he got to how he was, and then they cut back to the guy in the car and the guy listening was like Jesus, oh yeah, God, yeah, yeah. wind it up already, <laughs> hanging himself. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's read some baby xenomorphs and yeah. we'll rate this baby. Okay. James Edward Boisvenu the third. Wow. And they won a happy birthday. So pretty. That's their shout out. So pretty is the nickname 
of of his oh. gal that got him into the podcast. Hey. Could you say it as Irvin Kirshner? Happy birthday, so pretty. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, uh, the nefarious member of Pinhood's court is requested to shout out the name William Leatherwood. Oh, no, Niles Leatherwood, William's two-year-old son. Niles Leatherwood? Yes. The most nefarious member of Pinhead's court is Niles Weatherwood. Leatherwood. Here's a shout out by Julie Haggerty for Jennifer Lemieux. Don't breathe on me too close or I'll break. Wait. Somebody just asked for a Julie Haggerty impression after I made a joke about airplane? Yeah, that's crazy. Weird. Weirdest thing that's ever happened on this podcast. Uh, um, uh, ha- uh, Pat Jennings, just as just a straight up shout out. Nice work, Pat. Hey. Uh, Southern lawyer here, um, uh, shouting out Ryan Smith defending you in small claims court. Not saying you're small, you little two tin dick. <laughs> Too bad, uh, speaking of claims, too bad we can't go to Claim Jumper, huh, oh, after this? big portions and pig portions. <laughs> Hello, Neil, Mike, Hallis, Michaels. I know that's how it's pronounced, but it is up to me to pronounce every possible letter in every possible name. So here's your shout out, Neil, Mike, Hallis. Um, okay, uh... Uh, when you did the voice there, that reminded me, you went on that awesome sound effects run, remember earlier? Yeah. Like, people got to s- clip it, sample it, run it up and down a beat. <laughs> I got to hear those mixes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tyler Ringstad, just a straight up shout out. Always appreciated. Um, okay, shout out text. Now people are demanding sentences. <laughs> we'll give them to you. Just make them short. Um Brandon Christensen, not the director, but I recommend his movies. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, da, 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 yeah, da, da, da. Oh, I gotta, when you were reading this, I, I saw this person uh, posted a funny thing about the reading of the names on, uh, on Reddit. And they said... That they, when they called us the good friends, Matt Gorley, I just want you guys to do the voice as the good friends. He just meant as ourselves. Uh-huh. And he was like, I think they thought they wanted me to be like saying that they were my good friends. He's like, they must have thought I was such a loser. Not at I was all. like, oh, that cracked me up, man. Well, that no makes way. Him even more my good friend. Oh my gosh. Well, totally. Speaking of two good friends, the shout out from Bradley and Terrence for. Hey everybody here at Crystal Lake Camp Haddonfield. I'm I'm Bradley Droop. Yeah, what well, I'm Terrence Flynn. And this shout out goes out to Cole Hanan. Hi Cole Hanan. Wow, that's close to the shoe brand Cole Han. Okay. Um oh, a little long here. Okay. Uh babe Jenny McElliot. McElligot. Jenny McElligot. Um, looks like they've got a nice story here, oh. but maybe a l- I'll have to come back to that a little long. And finally, uh, I say this is Ian Fleming shouting out Jeff Wanless. 
Why not get a little more wan? Jeff, you're too tan. All right, goodbye. <laughs> okay. That was great. You can have your name shouted out yeah. if you subscribe at the baby xenomorph level. You'll also be able to access the streaming of next uh, season if you're a baby xenomorph. Yeah, uh, you can't spell The Shining without vanishing. Maybe you can. They're neighbors. <laughs> what are you going to rank The Vanishing? Hey, I'll say 13 out of 13. Yeah, I will too. Look, what, what a nice one to end on. And isn't I it know. interesting, Matt, that we um, ended on a... Was this the lowest voted? When when we kicked it to the trustees, remember we said... Oh, uh, yeah. I think it w- was. Um, yeah. I, I could, you know, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I could see how this would be, out of all the titles, the one that would be the one that people would most be Jones to they be their number one. thought it was the 93 Vanishing. Yeah. Or there's like a, a Gerard Butler lighthouse movie about the vanishing too. Uh, we did talk wasn't there like a Kurt Russell movie called Breakdown that was sort of like the vanishing meets duel I think so yeah I think next time we get to pick a movie just to, hey you know astral or future projecting yeah. into like next time we do a, a batch of movies I think I'm gonna pick duel I oh, love that's duel nice. dude yeah, I've never seen duel oh duel I is... think I've seen it I just don't remember it yeah I think th- I saw it originally but do you yeah. like Dennis Weaver who doesn't? Well, you're in luck because he's the star duel. Mutual of Omaha, right? <laughs> was he a spokesperson for the Mutual? I think it was Mutual? like a nature show and he did the voice. Yeah, Weaver. What a time. Weaver. <laughs> okay, buddy. So we will be back yeah. on officially. Well, we'll be all over that Patreon and, and maybe we'll try to, you know, I'll be testing out some live streaming stuff. I already did a couple little ad hoc Q and A's on there. I'm going to test out a little bit more audio stuff. So if you're a subscriber, you'll see some action on there for the rest of the month of July. But otherwise we'll be back with the first shining episode on the 11th of August. Mm -hmm. But like we said there in the meantime, there'll be a mailbag episode. There'll be the cozy tournament. Mm -hmm. There'll probably be a, you know, little vid bits. We can also, you know, if you ever are on your own and you want to, you're somewhere checking out movie location or whatever, and you want to put a vid bit up on your own, you feel free. We can tag team field vid bits. Just the more content for, we're going to try to, you know, pepper little things in there throughout that aren't, you know, regular stuff. Just This so means pepper. That's right. Oh, man. We're going to pepper things like it. we mean it. This means pepper. This means pepper. We'll see you guys. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.